normally works pretty good. I've never had it mess up before, but it's going to do it today, because why not? There it goes. That's it. Oh, you did that? All right, well, maybe maybe I have control now. This is a weird way to start a recording, but that's what's happening. Hello, everyone listening. <laughs> um, okay, so here we go. So like I said, I, I always I want to start off with the foundation from something. Uh, and I like to use movies for my references because it helps my brain. And there's this cool movie called The Gladiator. <laughs> it's about this guy named Maximus Aurelius. Decimus, I think he's got all kinds of names because he's Roman. So it's in a Roman time. He's a gladiator. Well, he doesn't become a gladiator. At the time of the phrase that I'm going to give to you right now, he's actually a uh, a general in the Roman army. He's actually one of the finest generals in the Roman army in the movie. And it's the very beginning of the film, and they're getting ready to fight the Germans to take over everything. I would have showed you the clip, but we get you know you get into some copyright issues when stuff ends up on the internet. So I'm just going to tell you about it. So uh, there's these wild like German barbarian looking guys across the field and Maximus is riding on his horse alongside the guys and he's trying to get them excited for what's about to come because they're about to go into battle and they're about to fight some people and so Maximus like I said boosting up his guys he looks at he looks at his guys and he starts telling them that they're going to be great they're going to win all that stuff's going to happen. But one of the phrases that, like, one of my favorite phrases that I've ever heard, he looks at them and he says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. I thought that was such a cool thing. I've always liked it. The movie's been out forever, but it's one of my favorite phrases of all movies. And he says, what we do in life echoes in eternity. So, we're going to jump into uh, John chapter 5. I just wanted to lay that foundation because that's what I'm going to say that a lot today. I'm going to try to, but you're going to hear me say what we do in life echoes in eternity because we're eternal people. Yeah, don't. Can I? Am I controlling it now? No, it's still not working that way. It's going to mess me up. Okay. Well, that's all right. Uh, yeah. Let me just get my notes on here then, because let's do it this way. I apologize. Technology's being a jerk. Let's do it this way, because then I can just see it, because my notes were on here. Okay. So in John chapter 5... Jesus had done this this terrible thing and healed a man <laughs> who'd been lame and trying to get in the pool of Bethesda for like 30 years. The guy had been trying to get in there. And all the guys get mad at him. The Pharisees, all them, they're start freaking out. They start saying, what are you doing? You can't heal on the Sabbath. Why are you doing that? What's going on? You know, and he says, he says to him. Every day my father is at work. And then the elders and leaders, they start giving them a hard time. They become even more determined. Right there it says that they became even more determined to kill Jesus. 
because of what he was saying to him. So we're going to pick up in verse 19. So it says, Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. Verse 20 says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Then we're going to jump ahead to verse 24, and he says again, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. So here Jesus is saying, I do what I see the Father do. And he says that greater works are going to come. So the kind of cool part about it is that Jesus said that he couldn't do this. I can't do it without the Father. I can't do anything without the Father. And he says, but he, ex- but he expected, this is kind of the cool part, he expected the Father to do what he was going to do. I always kind of found that amusing. Even though Jesus says, I couldn't do it, but he expected the Father to do what he said he was going to do. Because he said, greater works will I do. And then later on in the Bible, Jesus says, greater works will you do, right? You and me. He tells the disciples that, but he's also talking to you and me. Because remember, what we do in life echoes in eternity, right? So I'm just going to read that same Bible verse we just read. I'm going to read it from the Passion. So we'll start back off in verse 19. This is really cool. I like how this said this because it helps what I'm trying to say. So he says, I speak to you timeless truth. The son is not able to do anything from himself or through my own initiative. I only do the works that I see the father doing, for the son does the same works as the father. I just wanted to point out that he says timeless truth. Jesus is speaking from eternity. It's a timeless truth that he's speaking. And then in, in uh, the next verse, he says, I speak to you in eternal truth. Again, speaking from eternity. If you embrace my message and believe in the one who sent me, you will never face condemnation. For in me, you have already passed from the realm of death into the realm of eternal life. That means when we believe in him, it's pretty simple. If you believe in me and the one who sent me, you have already passed into eternal life. I think everybody in the room believes in him, right? You guys all believe in him? That means you've already passed into the realm of eternal life. That's pretty neat because that means what we pray here and what we pray and what we do in this life echoes in eternity because we're already alive in eternity in his mind. It's a weird thing. It'll break you if you try thinking about it, but he's eternal, and time doesn't exist there. So he sees us as eternal, but he also sees us here. It's a shocking but true thing. We've already passed into the realm of eternal life. So are you starting to get it, right? You're starting to figure it out. Even though Jesus had not been to the cross yet, 
He says, in me you already passed. He hasn't even died on the cross yet. Do you see how like that, what I'm saying, like that eternal truth that he's speaking is because he's not looking at us at time. He doesn't look at it in time. That's not how he's seeing it. He, he hasn't even gone to the cross yet, but his words are, if you believe in me, standing in front of you, then you've already passed into eternal life. That's pretty cool. And I was thinking about how, like, all the things, if we start thinking about all of the different greats in history, right? All the different big names that we can come up with. You know, the Daniels, the Davids, the, the, all, all the good ones. I got a couple listed here, but if we look at them, the things that they did and the things that they said, they walk out into eternity, Right now, we're still talking about stuff that they did a couple thousand years ago. And they're going to talk about it forever. They're talking about it in heaven. Because there's a great cloud of witnesses that surround us, right? So all this stuff that, the stuff that we think happened 2,000 years ago or whatever, it's already happened, it's already done, and all that stuff because eternal, eternity. So there. I was thinking about Paul. One of the things that he always prayed was that the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. He prayed that for us so that we can have that breakthrough, so that we can have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And even though he prayed it 2,000 years ago or whatever, even though it less, whatever, you get it? Even though he prayed it 2,000 years ago, we have access to that prayer. And we still pray it over each other frequently. John the Baptist says, A man can receive nothing unless he gets it from heaven. So he's reaching down. It's the same concept. I'm reaching up. Heaven's coming down, and I can't do it unless I see the Father doing it. And Jesus said, you're going, to do, you're going to do greater things. Mary was another good example, I thought. She said, let everything you said happen to me. Guess what? Jesus. Abraham continuously, it says there, continuously called on the name of the Lord. And he impacted eternity because of his prayers. Moses He said, show me your glory. And heaven opened and eternity touched the earth and burnt the top of a mountain. Elijah, come on, man, the relentless and giant-sized prayers of a kingly priest, right? Like elements answered to this guy because he had faith in the eternal. Fire from heaven. Hey, don't rain and it stopped raining. Hey, rain again, and it started raining again. This is the kind of stuff we have access to. This is the king that we have access to. Solomon, he said, give me, selfish, right? No, he said, give me your wisdom so that I can lead your people. That's what we can pray for as well. Because, see, all those people, what we pray in life echoes in eternity. What we pray and do in life echoes in eternity. All of them look to the Father. They all look to the King. They lifted up their hopes and dreams and hopes for a better future. But there is one that really stuck out to me because I left out the best. I left out Mr. David, the man after God's heart. This is so cool because it's going to be fun. So we're going to go into Second Samuel chapter 7. It'll be up there, or you can read it on your own Bible. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 27 
through 29. This is good. Wait. Just wait. You can't wait. It's exciting. All right, so in verse 27, he says, For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Year of promise for new life this year. You have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken, and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Simple prayer, bless this house. Bless this house, and he used a pretty cool word. He used the word forever. That's the part I noticed. Bless this house. Bless this house. So do you think, do you think David knew what he was getting into? Do you think that he thought to himself, I'm going to pray this, and the God that I'm praying to, this God that I believe, this God that I have a heart for, this God that, that I believe so, heart, so wholeheartedly in, did he, did he think that he sat and thought to himself, I'm going to pray this prayer that he would bless my house forever. And then a few hundred bajillion years later down the line, the son of the God that I'm praying to is going to be born from the line of my family. Can't possibly have been thinking that. He just said, bless this house forever. But... He reached up into heaven and reached into eternity and God came down and matched his prayer. He said, bless this house forever. And now his house is blessed forever because of the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's astounding to me. Because how many times, how many times have you said, oh, you know, it took five minutes for the doctor to come out. This is taking forever. Forever has no reality in our brain. Or how many times, you know, like, if, if you've ever been in a relationship with anybody, I can guarantee that you might have said this at one point. You always do that. <laughs> you always do that. They don't always do that. It feels like it sometimes. But I'm saying we don't have an understanding of what this actually means. It's really, it breaks the brain when we actually try to think about it. That he said, bless this house forever. And God did. I just recently started praying this prayer that I, st- I stole it from Lisa Bevere. She was just talking in one of her talks, and she, start- she started praying. Uh, she, said, she said to pray that I would be the first of a thousand generations that would love God, that would serve him. And I thought to myself, man, I've never really even thought past great-grandkids. I want generations. I say generations, but I don't, I don't comprehend that. Does that make sense? So I started praying for a thousand generations, and I hope that I could teach my kids to pray the same thing, because if they don't pray it, then after 1,001 comes, then there's no, it's left over, it's nothing. They got nothing. 1,001st generation's got nothing. So I'm going to try to teach that to my kids so that they'll pray that over their kids, so that they'll pray it over their kids, because I want to have a family that's generationally loving and serving the King of Kings. 
I just, that just tripped me out, because that's probably all he was thinking about, was his grandsons, maybe his great-grandsons, but he's praying, bless this house forever, and that's what was in his head. Bless this house forever, meaning my (laughs) great-grandkids. They'll have a good time. But remember, what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we do in life echoes in eternity because we serve a king and a God who is in eternity. And he says that he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to be his partner in doing this whole thing. David couldn't have known the depths of his prayer. But he had faith that God would answer it. David prayed, bless this house forever. And he prayed Jesus into his bloodline. We always think, like, we might think that our prayers aren't significant. We might think that our prayer doesn't really get that much done. But a guy just sitting there saying, hey, you said that you promised me this. And I'm going to pray it. And it's not to say that Jesus wouldn't have came if David, you know, whatever, but that's the, that's the way it works. It's partnership. Jesus would have found a way to come, I'm sure, but this is the way he wanted to do it. So you can make excuses about stuff, I guess, if you want. But, I mean, David prayed it, and he pray, prayed Jesus into his bloodline. And then that's the cool part is because Jesus, who knew what he was praying, prayed you and I into his bloodline. When he prayed... I in them, I in them, and you and me. When he prayed that, he was praying us into his bloodline, just like David was saying, bless this house forever. David said to God, you promised this, bless this house forever. And then Jesus, in the same fashion as his great, 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 great grandfather said, bless this house, the church, forever, through me. I just, man, this is so cool. It's goosebump type stuff, I think. So, but Jesus, when he prayed, I and them and you and me, he prayed for everyone that would come to know him in this time we have on earth because according to the eternal truth that Jesus spoke, we've already passed into the realm of eternal life. And this is where, so what we do in life echoes in eternity, right? So greater works, he's told us that, and then he said, bless this house. So that's, that's why he kind of told us to go and do that's why he gave us the Great Commission. And if you've ever heard anything that I ever have to say, it's always about going into our city. So that's where we're going again, because that's what I believe. But that's the way it works. That's why I'm here, and that's why my dad is who he is, and that's why you guys are who you are, because of your gifts and your talents. That's why he told us to go and do, because he sees the reality. He sees us in our true eternal form, right? So we have to reach outside of ourselves. And Jesus was praying that for us. I finished a book a little bit ago called Scattered Servants. It's by a guy named Alan Scott. He's uh, Scotland, 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 Scotland or Ireland. I can't. I don't know why I can't ever remember those. Which were they're similar. I probably just offended somebody because they're not. But you know what I mean. Like in our brains, in our brains, they they are because they have the similar similar sound to their voices. So we're just silly Americans, and that's the way it goes. Um, but uh, Alan Scott, in that book, Scattered Servants, one of the cool quotes that he has, he says that God is not seeking people who are amazed at what he can do. He's looking for people who engage with what he's doing. 
And I really just thought that was cool because that's what Jesus was praying. He's praying these guys in me and I in you so that they can go and do, so that they can engage and partner, like I've been saying, so that they can partner with us and that everything can shift through them. Because, you know, he, he's, already, he's already explained himself pretty well with earth and the galaxies, right? It says that in the Bible. That's if, we don't, if we've never heard his name, it says that it's declared throughout all creation. So he's done his part. Now it's our part, right? Uh, the king of kings created each of us specifically to partner with him. And I was just thinking about like what Joanne, you were asking me about the send. I was thinking about the send yesterday. I was watching. They had a big event down in Miami. Uh, like almost anybody who you know it was there. Lou Engel is at the head of it. Bill Johnson was there. Todd White was there. Sean Bowles. All the cool worship leaders that are out there. They're all there. Everybody was just all hanging out, being awesome and worshiping the Lord. They were opening up a bunch of things. They were praying for the Latino community. They were praying for the revivals that have happened in Brazil, Argentina, and Colombia to come to America. They prayed you know, against abortion and for adoption. They just did a lot of stuff. But the send, the idea is that you know, Lou Engel has done the call for you know, a while now. The idea now is that everybody's been called, and now it's time to go. It's time to send. It's time for us to be sent into our cities, and it's time to start transforming nations in a day because that's what God's doing. We're at the, I, I believe we're at the beginning to step into a generation that actually has the resources and ability and the power of God on our side to actually start seeing cities entirely transformed and nations entirely transformed. And he said for us to do it. It's a command. It's in the Bible. So we've got to partake in that. We can't just, let it, can't just let it go. It's one of those ones. So, yeah, anyways, I just thought that was good. God's not seeking people who are amazed at what he can do, although he likes that when we're amazed, right? But he's looking for us to partner with him. He wants us to be in what he's doing. He wants a, our touch to be in it. He wants to see us do it. It's like when, you, you know, like, huh. it was just a quick, I don't know, I just when you see your kids do something that you taught them how to do, it's thrilling, you know? It's thrilling. I don't know why. Like, oh, you know, then we tell everybody about it, you know? Oh, he, he took a step. Everyone should know that he took a step, you know? Well, who I mean, ultimately, who cares? It's not a big deal. But it, to, to me or to mom and dad, it's absolutely the most significant thing that's ever happened to you. Watching a kid take a first step or watching them shoot their first basketball or whatever. Just different things that we get amused by. and everybody, It's just normal stuff that we all can do. Like, big deal. You can walk, you know. But <laughs> it's neat. When, it's cool to us when it's our kid, you know. I don't know. So, again, I think we're coming also into a generation that's going to see the greater works that Jesus spoke of combined with the power of David's eternal prayer that says, bless this house forever. So I kind of put down here, greater works, bless this house plus greater works, right? Because this is what I think. So bless this house. David prayed, bless this house. Jesus said, we'll do greater works, right? So that to me signifies that our meetings... 
And the time that we come together like this, no matter how few or how many, when we come together like this, these moments should be filled with three things. Extraordinary power. This is a good word. Evincible love. I like that word. I had to get three E's, so I had to break out my thesaurus. Evincible love and evident hope. That's what our meetings should inspire. That's what our meeting, when we come together on a Sunday or Wednesday or whatever, this is what we should be experiencing. Extraordinary power because we serve a God who has that evincible love, which I'll tell you what that is in a little bit, and then evident hope. But first we'll just start with extraordinary power. Obtaining new levels of greatness is kind of the subtitle I put for that because greater works, right? And the kingdom of God never ends. It keeps going forever and always. And it keeps getting bigger and better and stronger and faster and mightier. And the thing, it says extraordinary power because here's the thing. So good works are important, right? Doing the good works, you know, helping out at the mission or, you know, adopting children or whatever it might be, raking the neighbor's yard or snow blowing the neighbor's sidewalk. That's what it is right now because it won't stop. But, you know, doing like doing those kind acts, that's all great. Good works are great. We love good works. They're the part of the, the good works are an important part of the gospel, but good works are done by everybody. Everybody does good works. My neighbor he snow plows my thing all the time because he's got this giant thing and he does the whole block because that's nice. I got to do my sidewalk out to the, you know, but he takes care of my whole sidewalk. And he doesn't know Jesus. So who cares? <laughs> I mean, you know, who cares if we snow plow somebody's stuff? The thing that sets us apart is extraordinary power. And so this is the silly thing. So while I shovel or rake or do whatever it is that I do, I bring extraordinary power with me because I have the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. I can pray every step of the way, every scoop I can pray, your Holy Spirit down upon their house. I can pray that on this sidewalk. This is stuff I don't, I wish I think of it, and then I do it, and then I don't do it, and then I do it, and then I don't do it. But every scoop, like I said, I can pray this sidewalk. God, I pray that anybody who walks down this sidewalk will know you. They'll hear your name. They'll hear your voice. Even if they've never heard it from somebody else, God, while I'm just shoveling, I'm out here doing my thing. That's the whole, it's, that's, I have extraordinary power through the Holy Spirit that's in me to, to, to change everything. Because we can pray, and what we do in life echoes in eternity. What we pray in life echoes in eternity. So when we pray, God, every person that walks down this sidewalk, touch them, bless their lives financially, bless them with good health, bless them with this. All that stuff comes when we shovel. But we got to bring it when we shovel. Right? Because again, good works, dead. Nothing doesn't mean anything if we don't bring it with extraordinary power. And that's the king that we serve. And it's the other thing. So... These aren't these healing services that we're doing on Wednesday. They're not just another meeting. It feels like it sometimes because you get through your day and it's like, well, I've got to go to go to Wednesday. But it's a healing service. It's, they're, they're, I wrote these little quotes down. They're designed divine moments to create environments where Jesus himself can walk in the room and bring the power of his healing name. That's what Wednesday night's about. It's not... 
just another moment to come together, which is good. All that stuff happens, but there's a divine purpose in it. It's not just a thing. We've seen lives changed through it. And we're going to continue to see. It's going to continue to grow. We had random people show up last Wednesday, and they're sitting right there. Pretty cool. It's too small. You, you're noticed when you walked in. It's too, everybody saw you, sorry. <laughs> Can't hide here. <laughs> but I'm saying like, oh man, it's not just another day. Our worship nights that we do here. It's not just another time to get together and play some songs and enjoy some good music. There are moments of coronation as you and I, kings and priests, honor the one true God and King and enthrone Him upon our praises. If you could make that the title on the Facebook ad that you put out, this is what tonight is. It's the moment of coronation as you and I, kings and priests, honor the one true God and King and enthrone Him upon our praises. But we just say worship night so everybody shows up for a good song. But that's what it's about, right? This is, what, this is what I come here to do. This is what I come here to do. I know that's what you guys come here to do too. And everything changes because when he walks in the room, it all changes. When we come into here with a mindset that it's time and everything's going to shift because he's coming, then everything changes. And then when we walk out the door, everything's different again. It's not just the same old thing. These are, these are not insignificant moments. And complacency, which is so easy to do, is it's just the death of the power of God. Complacency kills the, the power of God. It doesn't kill his power. It kills the power of God in us, by the way. Let me clarify that. But when we become complacent, we don't. You know, that's why I was saying I do and I don't, I do and I don't. When I become complacent, I don't pray down fire every scoop that I make with my shovel. But when I have a heart and a mind for the people of my city, the people of this congregation, and the people that are around us. When I have that heart, then it's there. Come on. Come on. Fire. Come on. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them, you know? And so just, I'm trying to poke at you because I don't want us to become complacent because, man, after you do a bunch of them in a row, it can feel that way. So just to keep us fired up about it. Sunday morning, these moments right now, These are moments where we can come into this room and break from the bonds of earth and enter into the eternal and timeless realm and reach up and bring heaven down upon earth. The kingdom of heaven is at hand right now. Right now. Even though we're sitting here listening to me, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's always readily available. We just got to reach out and touch it. That's the point of why we come together. It's to call out each other's destiny to call out your destiny. It's for me to speak to you and for you to speak to me and speak life into each other so that when we walk out the door, we can speak destiny into our city and speak her destiny. God has a point for this city. He just does. But here's, here's the thing. Sometimes we get complacent or we even start to believe that God doesn't want to partner with us or that he doesn't want to do what we're asking. We're like, oh, that's too much. Or that's too big, you know. I pray, that, you know, I'd still, I'd like to see a visible beacon of fire above our church. That would be unmistakable. I ask for it all the time. It hasn't happened yet. But I'm going to keep asking. Because when that happens, 
then everything changes. Yeah. And here's the thing. God's not offended when we ask those things. He's not offended when we ask for more. He's actually offended when we settle for less. When we become complacent. When we settle for, you know, well, we have a good church today. He just uh, that's, that's the kind of stuff that offends him. <laughs> because he's got so much more for us. Because he's a God of extravagance, like I mentioned earlier. He's, he's a God of more and more and more and more and more. And then there's a bunch of mores after that with the little, you know, infin- infinity, shh, little circles, a couple circles together, infinity, forever. He wants more. He wants everything. He wants to give us everything. Because, I mean, let's be real. We know he's an extravagant God, right? But sometimes we don't believe it, right? But let me ask you this. How much sky? How much sky do you think we need? Lena, how much sky? Right? How much sky do we actually need? But there's a whole bunch of it, right? How majestic did the mountains need to be? Do we even need them? Do we need mountains? Probably not. But he wanted to entertain you because he's a God of extravagance. How many stars do you think we need? Again, entertain. And it's probably to cause others to stumble. Because <laughs> they look at that and think that it just happened. How many stars do we need? But when we look, when it's out in the country, you guys have probably all seen it. When you go out into the country, you can see forever, like that picture. It's not, oh, it comes up dark, but it's better than that. How many planets do you think we need? There's only one that's habitable by us who he created. But we got, I'm saying nine because I'm old school. Pluto's still in there in my book. I don't care what they say. Nine. Gave us nine planets. And that's not including all the other stuff that we haven't seen yet. But why? We only live here. There's no aliens out there, so. Well, I don't know, maybe there is. (laughs) Who knows? You'd think you would have wrote about it in the Bible, though, right? That's what he gave us all the other stuff. Anyway, there's no aliens. I'm just kidding. But, yeah, only one, one, one planet's habitable by us. So why give us nine? So we can look at them. Really, that's what I think. Because why not? Look what I can do. You know? As a dad, I totally get that one. Because it's like, look what I can do. Because when your kid's trying to walk, or when they're trying to shoot the basketball, or when they're trying to hit their first baseball, or when they're trying to, you know, I can't say draw because Faith can draw better than me. But you know what I'm saying? When I, but I could, I used to be able to draw better than her. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like I could show, like when you show them, look what I can do. It's a good feeling. And that's what this is all about. Mountains. And then here's the other cool part. When he broke bread, it was never just enough. Because he's extravagant. There was also always baskets, baskets full, left over. Why? Because he's a God of extravagance and he wants to prove to you that he's bigger, stronger, faster, better. Anything that he can, anything you can do, I can do better. That's what he wants to prove. He doesn't have to prove it, but he wants to. He doesn't have to do anything. 
but he wants to because he wants you to know that he's a God of extravagance. And this extraordinary power that I mentioned, that's what separates us. The fact that what we do in life echoes in eternity, that's what separates us. That's what marks us, those who call Christ king. That's what marks us. That's what sets us apart when we go out the doors. So if we don't walk in it, then we don't look different. And then we don't let the world know. It's, not, it's the idea of hiding you know, your light and all that stuff in a, in a bushel. <laughs> Whatever. And in that same extraordinary power, we're called to excessive and evincible love. Evincible love. So that word evincible, it's not only here about a lot, but it's kind of like invincible, but it's evincible. It means that it's capable of being proved or clearly brought to light. That's our love. Our love is supposed to be in such a way, our love for each other is to be in such a way that it's clearly being proven and it's clearly being brought to light. When we see each other out there, it's just supposed to be, our love is supposed to emanate for humanity, just like it did with Jesus. It's supposed to emanate out of us. They're supposed to know, like, they can feel us because we have the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and they have in the back of their heads, wherever that is that God placed that thing for them to know what that is, it responds to us. It responds to the Spirit in us. Like I said, in whatever that place is, in their brain, it's in, it's in us. We're designed to know who God is. We're designed to feel His presence. We're designed to feel it. So when we bring it with us, then they feel it. And that's pretty cool, I think. Uh, John chapter 13, just so we can make sure the Bible tells us this, and it's not just me, says for when, 13, uh, 35, and this is the, in the, uh, the Passion again, says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. So that's the, that's the deal. That's how, that's how people know that we are followers of Christ. That's how they know is by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. And I like this way that Bill, Bill Johnson puts this. I thought this was really cool because he says, My love for God is measurable by my love for people. So how I love you shows how I love God. So I should probably get better, right? Not that I'm bad at it, but I could be better. So I always tell my kids, hey, you're not bad at this. You can just be better. Because it's a way more exciting way to look at life. Because if you walk around feeling like you're bad at everything, it's really disappointing. But we can be better. So the way that we love each other directly reflects in how we love God. And if we can't love people, we can't love God. And so I had this, had this interesting feeling when I was reading that. And I was thinking about this. And so I'm just going to... I'm just going to say it because it's what was on my mind. So I, I feel like sometimes the Lord shows, shows me stuff, even though I don't know how or why. But so Preston and Jean Marie, they're not here today. But when, when they're out of town, a lot of times we keep their dog, Tora. She's pretty cute. Yeah, that's her. Tora. 
we keep her. And there's this interesting thing she does because she's got she's um she's got a little she likes little animals and she wants to play with them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> she just wants to play with them. No big deal. But she likes squirrels and she likes rabbits, right? And we have a lot of rabbits in our backyard because I can't keep them away. But she's hilarious because I have in my back door, we open a door like this and then there's a little platform and then three steps down. And when we let Tor out, she's just happy and enjoying life. Everything's going good. But as soon as that door opens, she's like this, ready to fight. She's ready to murder everything in the room. I'm not kidding. Like, she's, like, it's on the back like this. She's ready. Like, where, where are they? Where are they? I'm going to get them, right? And I was thinking, I was thinking about her, and then I was thinking about us. And I think sometimes we walk out the church door that way. We walk out the church door ready to fight, ready to attack whatever enemy comes my way. I'm ready. You know, here I am. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. But we're supposed to bring peace. See, the fight's already been won. We're at war, I get it, but it's already won. Because guess what? What we do in life echoes in eternity, right? It's already over. In his mind, it's already over. But we still have to fight. We still have to do our things. But Christ already accomplished the victory. It's actually our job to walk out the door and create a space for God's presence to fill it with his fullness. See how I kept the cute picture up there where I say this stuff to you so that you can feel good? It's actually our job to walk out the door, create a space for God's presence to fill it with his fullness. That isn't to say that we aren't in a battle or all that. We were born into a war, but remember, eternity already exists even if we aren't physically in it. Yet, Jesus said it is finished, and when he did, it was finished. But what I'm saying is our role as a divine people of this city is more than just condemning the darkness of our city. It's not just to condemn this thing or that thing or to condemn all the dark stuff and to say all that. It's not just our job to do that. We can do that while we're here or in our own homes. We can do that stuff. But when we're out there, we're called to reveal her inner beauty and greatness that's been shrouded by said darkness. That's our job is to call out our city's inner beauty, to call out the beauty of the people in this city, to call out their hearts, to call out their destinies. That's our job whether it's been covered in darkness through, whether it be addiction or any other things that people deal with or even their health, their physical bodies, uh, you know, where people need healing, that darkness that's being shrouded so that we can bring out the truth. That's why we come. That's what we're here to do, to bring out her inner beauty and greatness. We've been called out to call out her beauty and define the glory that is already in her, our city. Her is our city. Our purpose is to uncover her divine promise and bring it to the surface. That's our job. Matthew 10, like when Jesus is telling his disciples to go, he's sending them out. He says, go and give it your blessing of peace. When you walk into a city, he says, find Find those who love the Lord and go into their house and give it your blessing of peace. That's kind of our job in our city is to walk out and give it our blessing of peace. Not to come out ready to fight. Not to come out ready to condemn the darkness. We do when it's necessary, when it's right. Don't get me wrong. But we're there 
to call out her beauty, to call out who the city is meant to be. That's our job, to pray it in, to pray in the blessing over our city. We're here to heal the sick. We're here to cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Another quote from that Scattered Servants book says, Our lives are designed to carry heaven's authority. We are ambassadors and reconciled of all creation. Our ministry isn't to support church. Our ministry is to shape culture. So I'm just praying that over us, that we would be ones that would shape culture. And when we shape culture, we do, when we do this, we're displaying that evident hope, that other thing that should be in our services. Evident hope. Living the life of promise. Walking around and showing people the promise of Jesus. Showing our city the promise that God has for her. That it will be a city of refuge. That it will be a city of rest for those who need rest. See, each and every person on the planet has purpose. The thing that sets you and I apart again is him. There's teachers, there's engineers, there's actors, grocery baggers, mechanics, flight line guys, teachers, nurses. We're all those things as Christians, but we have him, but God, but God. So our kind word to those who don't have him, our kind word brings out their joy, and it uncovers the darkness are giving up our time because we bring the Holy Spirit with us, unshrouds the darkness. When we're at the checkout, the coffee shop, anywhere we go, we can bring the Holy Spirit with us when we don't lose it in complacency. We can walk into every building that we go and we can bring the Spirit of God and we can be culture shifters and city transformers. And the struggle comes through, you know, because some of us don't believe, I think, that God trusts us sometimes. But he told us, be fruitful and multiply. We're designed to reign with him. It's everything I've been saying the whole time. Like a lot of times we don't think he trusts us to do this stuff, maybe. He doesn't, he doesn't think that, well, you know, a lot of times, well, if I, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not going to make a difference just being smiling. Everybody smiles. But if I smile, then everything changes. Because I have the Holy Spirit in me. And what I do in life echoes in eternity. We're designed to reign with him. I'm almost done, promise. We're designed to reign with him. I really like this because this is what, this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I got you another, um, this is another passion one because I like how it's said it. So I use it. But it says, God always makes his grace visible in Christ, who includes us as partners of his endless triumph, eternal. Again, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Through our yielded lives, he spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere we go. How cool is that? So like I was just saying, I can walk into the grocery store, and when I'm not in my complacent mind, Everything shifts because they smell me. (laughs) 
because the fragrance of the knowledge of God goes with me because he releases it when I yield myself to him. Neat. So everywhere. And it's, yeah, everywhere. It's not, it's, not, it's not the kind of, oh, forever, like we talked about earlier. Oh, this is taking forever. It's not the kind of, oh, this, you always do that. It's the kind of everywhere when Jesus and God says it, that it means everywhere. You know? I like how people make those jokes. Like, if you translate in that into the Hebrew, it means everywhere. <laughs> but yeah, it just means everywhere. And another thing that's like a lot of times, one of the other things that hinders us from doing it, so complacency, not feeling like God trusts us. But another thing that might in, that kind of hinders us is when we say, "Well, I'm, I haven't, you know, I didn't spend forty hours yet today." in devotion, so I obviously am not good enough to go out and pray for somebody because I haven't spent 40 hours of my 24-hour day in prayer and worship. Therefore, my words have no significance because that's something that happens to us because we start believing these little things. Like, we think that we're not, we don't have enough to do it, but it is not you. It's just not you. It's not you. Because that's the cool part of what it says. Through your, your yielded life, through your yield, yielded life, he spreads the fragrance. So I found this really cool advice from a book I'm reading called um, Great American Innovation, I think it's called. Or The Great American Innovation. Anyways, it's all the things that we Americans invented. Or... Some of them are things that we saw somebody else doing and made it better because that happens. So they're not all directly inventions. But one of the things that I got this cool advice from was a, a, a quote about clipper ships. Aren't those cool looking? That one's got 104 guns on it. But they used them for moving things originally and it made like so in the mid 1800s ships were really slow and it took them a long time to get across the ocean with goods and with stuff and so in true and typical american fashion we said we must build one faster <laughs> so the guy was like i'm gonna put as many sails as i could possibly put on a boat i'm gonna do that and then I'm going to shrink down the size of it on the outside and make it weigh less, but then I'm going to make the bottom bigger so that I can carry more. So that's what he did. He came up with these clipper ships. I don't know if that's actually one now that I'm looking at it a little closer, but it, they're like that. You get the point. So uh, it, we created these things to be faster, carry more, and do all that stuff. So here's, here's this cool quote. This is what he said. This is what he said about clippers. They must be sharp-lined and built for speed. She must be tall-sparred and carry the utmost spread of canvas. Give me the most canvas that I can get. And then he says, and she must use that sail day and night, fair weather and foul. And that's where I got inspired, right there. We sang that song, I let out the sails of my heart. I don't normally sing songs on purpose, but I sang that one on purpose because of this right here. 
but we let out the sails of our hearts, and we must use those sails day and night, fair weather or foul. And like I was saying, a lot of times we think we didn't do a good enough job doing this, or we feel bad about ourselves, or we're having a bad day, you know, because they happen when we're having a bad day. Fair weather or foul, let out the sails of your heart, and he'll do the rest. Because the, the ship doesn't do anything. It'll just sit there. It might like bob and all that stuff, but until they open those things up, then it's moving because the wind takes it. And so whether fair weather or foul, just let your sails out. Let them out. Because you have what it takes, fair weather or foul. And when we let out the sails of our hearts and we yield to his wind, he is able to do more and more and more and more in us and through us. Because remember, God of extravagance and what we do in life echoes in eternity. So go. Go display this week. Find a way to do it. Go display the extraordinary power of him who's called you. Go love our city with an invincible love. And with evident hope, live out your life of promise because what you do in this life will echo in eternity. Amen? Amen. Father, bless us. Let the glory of your face shine upon us so that when we walk out these doors, we can unveil. We can lift the darkness. We can... Just be bright everywhere we go. Let us be your bright ones. Let us be your shining ones. Let us be your ones that display your goodness, your power, and your might just through being who you called us to be. Father, help us to call out the destiny of this church. Help us to call out the destiny of each other. Help us to call out the destiny of our city. God, bring us ways. Open. I'll ask that you would open my mind. Give me ways. You've called me to this thing, and I know it. You've called us to transformation of a city. You've called new life to that. I believe that with my whole entire heart. So, Lord, number one, bring us ways to do that. Open our eyes to what it is that you want us to do in our city. Continue developing thought that's already there, Lord. Help us to just reach out. Help us to be who we're designed to be. Father, I pray that each person in this room, that you would just just loose them in a neat way to give just bring us each per, bring us each a person this week bring us each a person this week that we can impact that when we walk into whatever place we're walking into give us a person and lord help help us to keep our minds fixed on you that when we do go into the places that we're going that we re, that we recognize the moment and we seize it lord fair weather or foul Lord, we open the sails of our hearts and we just say, let it be. You're here. I'm here. We're here together. Just come. Let your wind blow us in the direction that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.